Hey everyone, welcome to the real side of tech and operations. I am uh, currently working on my radio voice and I uh, still have yet to find it because none of it's sexy and it all sounds like I don't want to listen to myself. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, let's talk about some oil and gas problems and let's think about uh, what we've done in the past to solve them and uh, any solutions that we've seen that would be good to pass along to our listeners. So, I think uh, really, um, <laughs> I would say it's everywhere problem is gonna be alarms and uh, those being threshold based. And is there a better way? So if you look at, think about what alarms are doing, they're really flagging an issue, right? So how do we get better and smarter about a flagging of something that requires action, right? So I think yeah. alarms and thresholds is what we, I think we should talk about here. Yeah, and so I think, you know, if you, uh and where are those alarms? I, mean, I haven't even given context here. Give some backup on maybe, you know, where are these alarms coming from and, and you know, talking about that. Well, I think in, in general that what we're talking about here is logic-based versus model-based, right? Mm. And what the differentiation is between the two, uh, how it affects operations. You think about logic-based, that can be SCADA, that can be production of variance, that can be pump by exception, uh, whatever the case might be. If you think from that, from a signal perspective, uh, what's being captured from the well, let's just say casing pressure, flow rate, whatever. Um, if you provide a logic base or a threshold, look, if it crosses you know, 200 PSI, then flag an alarm. Yep. Well, the problem with that, as many of you have experienced, is there's a billion alarms. I think the last uh, analysis we did with an operator is 75%, or, or sorry, 85%. Yeah, 85%. 85% of SCADA alarms are false positives. They were unactionable. There was nothing to be that, done. That is crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that means that there's a massive problem with threshold and logic-based alarms going into workflow and being you know, put into action at an operator standpoint. And to just think about the positive side of it is that like probably the day they put it in there, it probably had some merit. And maybe the week after, right? Like it was useful for that specific thing they wanted for that short-term period. The problem they found was that like it, Basically, the next day, it's outdated. That well, threshold is no longer with, good, with, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so so the, the problem with alarms is it's it's a, a spot check in time, right? It doesn't, it doesn't permeate to tomorrow. It doesn't permeate to the next day. Uh, it doesn't permeate to the day after that, right? So is that issue still outstanding, number one? Is, is there still an issue on site? And so that, those are question marks from SCADA. And, and sure, maybe a better SCADA system can understand if that alarm was action and resolved or not but you still have the construct of the well and is it in a normal and abnormal state right and that can that can last five days that can last 30 that can last 60 days right and so uh there, there's a better and, and that's where we'll bring up the model side of it mm -hmm. is on a model perspective a model is understanding what is normal and abnormal from a signal perspective or from a well perspective or from a conglomerate right similar mm -hmm. well types and so there's there's a lot of complexities here that uh, the model is tying together to understand these conditions. What is normal for the world? What is abnormal? And if it is abnormal, then, you know, that is the piece of workflow that is so important. And so one thing to mention here is as we're talking about 
threshold-based alarms and uh, you know a model way to tackle that. There's also the workflow capacity of how does that continue? Is that continued to be an issue or mm-hmm. is that not? Whereas you know obviously alarm is is a point in time to say hey it reached this threshold. You know was that a data anomaly? Was that a sensor malfunction? Was it uh, something that needs to be addressed right now? Could it be something that's addressed in three days? You know, nobody knows. There's no clarity on that. And, and I think that's some of the, the problem. So at the root of it, our thesis here is threshold-based alarms are the root of many false positives. And the only way to overcome those false positives that permeate reporting, um, operator daily work, um, you know, well shut-ins, whatever it is, uh, the only way to overcome them is to use a model-based approach. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Um, if you think about the two, they're, they're different levels, right? I mean, I think the, the logic base is, base is easy to do. It is easy. Uh, the model is harder to train a model to understand normal and abnormal conditions for the well um, because there's different equipment. There's different well types. There's Every well is different, right? And so... Uh, but but I think that that is that ha- that that is the solution, you know. Um, it it is the barrier really that high though for model based. How so? Like say you know if, if the listeners are trying to figure out well if I wanted to apply a um, you know model rather than a threshold to my tank alarms, sure. uh, you know for trends of oil rate or water rate, um, would that be hard to create the model to detect? abnormal and normal like like help me out with under the yeah the, the, is the, it really that hard the training yeah so so i think the the train well i mean shit we're, we're getting into a whole another section on architecture and, uh-huh. and tech stack and sure, everything sure, else sure. and productionalizing models and and logging um but yeah i would say that there's as as most data scientists uh have proclaimed right the problem is you know 90 for 90 percent training labeling um, and putting the model into production uh, versus you know the actual model that's being mm-hmm. utilized, sure. and so um, I think that uh, the problem again there is the process on how you train the model. The problem is is what is normal and abnormal. How yeah, do you get the, the intelligence from the user to understand that to label the model so the model has proper exports um, and utilization, and so. I think that's the the barrier to entry for the model, but also the barrier for entry for a model is how do you have that human feedback? How does that train the model? Mm-hmm. Um, how, what platform are you using to do that? Is that in the operator's hands, the right person's hands to understand what's normal and abnormal? You know, sometimes the engineer might know that. Sometimes the field operator probably does know what's what's normal and abnormal from the well. Um, so there's different roles that are incorporated in there. You know, maybe the foreman knows best. And so that, that's part of the complexity about putting a model in production and getting the right mm-hmm. outputs from that model. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's like keep going down that rabbit hole a little more and see where it takes us. Like if we think about, you know, a 500 well ENP, should they be, uh, actually we'll go smaller than a hundred well ENP, should they be running off of model based or can they control mm-hmm. it with, Sure, um, sure. You know, one engineer going in there and updating yep. all these facilities and sure. the thresholds all the time. Yeah. Where, where does this problem? Where does this? Where does the value really push mm-hmm. towards model? Totally. Yeah, I think with a with smaller operations, right? You can argue, especially for like let's just say a hundred well operations, you can argue that look, I can scroll through all my wells in in let's just say five minutes, right? Yeah. And understand what is problematic and what is not, and that's a very fair point. You know, I think it's very very tangible and so yes uh you know is the 
value ahead that much differentiated? Maybe not. But, you know, as the the organization grows, I'll say at the same time, you know, we've done uh, implementations with 100 well uh, fields and they have caught issues before they've been realized. And so there's so much there's so much shit that happens on a daily basis. And just having that process automated, I think, is value. ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. You know, the, the degree this, of value, the degree of value just extends over time, right? Yeah. With more wells, it just compounds and the problems compound mm-hmm. and the inefficiencies compound. So at scale, the threshold based alarms and the false positives that propagate the system compound. Yes. And, um, you know, seem to be a bigger driver of inefficiencies. And by using the model based uh, instead of the threshold based, you find yourself having more accurate um, work when, when you're pressed to hit, you know, you've got 3,000 wells that are potential, um, you know, value to be brought on back in the day. That I could see that's where that differentiator really comes to play. Yeah. Yeah. And I think from a model standpoint, too, you can, you can uh, learn off of uh, different wells with similar types, right? So your, um, your ability to affect a recommendation. Uh, can be more intelligent by connecting more data, right? Versus a logic base is uh, per well, if it reaches this threshold, then alarm. Mm-hmm. Number one, that's probably because it's not clear to work management or any type of system what should be done or what shouldn't be done. Should that alarm be action? Number two is problematic because it's not really using the intelligence from similar well types or similar action types or similar issue types. Yeah, I want to give the listeners a really tangible example. One you've uh, shown me that really hit hit hard with you was I think it was this rod pump that um, it was a threshold versus a a deviation like a trend right Mm -hmm. so let's give them like the how you would respond to a threshold based one um, and how you would respond differently to maybe a model based and and this is let's just use that example which one was that yes so so, I mean I think that there's uh, let's just say for example on a rod pump right Um, you can have a threshold base to say look if if uh, peak load goes above you know, 30,000 pounds or so, then uh, shoot an alarm out, right? Yeah. The, the number one, the problem in that is that you are continually updating those thresholds uh. versus a new normal for every freaking well. And so, you know, optimizers, engineers, operators, whatever are saying, well, you know, it's, it's, it, it you know, it needs to be updated to 28,000 or new rods were installed. It needs to be updated here. And that's, that's okay for workovers, right? It's not too much of a, a big hurdle to overcome, but as a, again, it, it goes back to the normal and abnormal state of a well. Um, and that's a quite a dynamic uh, question and problem to answer. Mm-hmm. And so if we just talk about, let's just say peak load and putting your threshold on, let's just say 30,000 pounds, you know, that has to be, there's a human intensive um, to do these logic-based alarms. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, you know, if you talk about trends and uh, the, the obvious example here is peak load is increasing yeah. and there's solids in the pump and then you're going to do a flush and, sure. and try to get the, the pump back into normal conditions. Um, that that's a very easy example, but the the reality is is the signals are all over the freaking place, uh-huh. right? And so you've got uh, yeah. min load, you've got um, you know all, all all your your load sensors completely going um, 
in different directions, one cycle versus the next. Uh, how long does that last? Is mm-hmm. that event uh, small or is it is it going to work itself out? And so it's almost a classification mm-hmm. of these events and understanding, you know, maybe you do have something sticking the, the standing valve that, that needs to, to, and usually that works itself out after four hours. Yeah. Uh, what's the action that, that, uh, that should be done to resolve that issue? Yeah, and I think just hearing you say that, uh, and reflecting back on my artificial lift specialist days, uh, running around the field with Dan Milligan, um, you know, for plungers and raw pump wells, is we would treat a trend a lot differently than we treat a point in time. So that threshold hits a point, it's like, okay, well, shit, just once, see mm-hmm. if it happens again. Single point. A trend, you know, that's giving us, uh, or, or multiple signals interacting in a specific trend, that's giving us uh, an, an idea of a characteristic of why this well is behaving this way, which gives us something tangible to act upon. So, yeah, there's... There's, there's there's trends too but you know i think the the simple way to view trends is look it's increasing over time so mm-hmm. if you write any type of uh normal um you know uh if statement right mm-hmm. if casing if if uh peak load increases at 20 percent mm-hmm. over 12 hours then flag it so uh but that that does not quite solve the problem right, right? right because right. Um, that this happens uh, daily where, you know, abnormalities happen and normal and abnormal mm-hmm. conditions continue to exist goes and back go to in what and is out normal and, and what is abnormal Absolutely. and how hard that is to just use with like a simple 5% increase or 5% decrease. Absolutely. Even with that, right, there's yeah. a lot of false positives that exist. Um, and so you need a model. Yes. <laughs> so you need a model off of trained data, off of label data. It's just going to be more intelligent, right? Like the, it's the gateway to more intelligence yeah yeah so if we think about how the listeners can can tangibly think about alarms and ways to improve their alarms well i I, i'll give a couple ideas out there and you can hit me with a couple more is you should only have 50 wells um and you need to have one person that monitors those those signals and alarms at a uh probably 30 30 minute interval frequency so um, there you have it, kids. <laughs> well, uh, uh, you know, uh, all jokes aside, but you know, you look at the the different components and how they're related too, right? You're talking about you know peak load increasing, but how does that relate to what set point should be uh, you know put into the well? What what fillage should be? What you know what what all all the set points and how that directly relates into normal and abnormal conditions? It's the how so that either gets question. you out of abnormal yeah. conditions or gets you in. And so again. You know, if you have a model to understand that, then your learnings can compound mm-hmm. and, and your intelligence can compound versus mm-hmm. logic base is just so limited. Right? You're, you're never going to reach a, a point of further intelligence um, with that criteria being being kind of the, the the main point of the platform. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what we'll summarize this as because uh, I'd like to keep these in only 15 minutes is gosh, if you're going to keep using thresholds, you're going to continue to have false positives. Look for ways to use your signals through intelligent models that are receiving feedback and classification so you're not getting false positives. False positives destroy efficiency. For sure. So that is the messaging here is get off of the thresholds, move to a model-based flagging and yeah, that's um, that's what TAS does, but we're not here necessarily to sell that. We're here to talk about the problems and what we've seen for solutions. So, hoping y'all uh, y'all found some value in this uh, alarm discussion, which really led into models. 
Uh, some, you know, me and Wes talk, but we have no idea where these go. Um, kind of shocked this hasn't led to uh, you know, more field data capture comments <laughs> uh, because that's where all of my conversations eventually lead me, even with my wife. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, there you have it, kids. Uh, appreciate the time, and uh, we will catch up with you next week. Cool. Peace.